Let's see. Starting recording. Oh, it's recording now. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to start this. Starting in three, two. What's people of the internet? It's me, Jonathan. You remember me from literally every other attempt at a Marvel podcast that I've ever made in my life? Okay, well, if you don't know because no one listened to those, well, you might know me from one show, and that is Spider-Man's Tangled Web Show. It was on the air for like two years, no, four years, but under a different name for the first two years. And so we did that show from 2013 to 2017, and then stuff happened, and then we just sort of stopped doing that show. And now we're back with not a, not a Spider-Man show, but also not not a Spider-Man show because it has Spider-Man in it, but it's a Marvel show. So this is just talking Marvel. I'm your host, Jonathan, one of your hosts, I should say. Um, I come from Spider-Man's Tangled Web Show. I was previously known on the internet as Spider-Nerd. Um, now I'm known on the internet as Marvel Fanrave. And when I say known on the internet, I mean I'm literally just a guy on Twitter who no one listens to. Um, but maybe someone will listen to this. Um, but you might know my co-host because he has been on various podcasts, and he is also much more active in fandom than I am, and also he's a lot cooler than I am. Um. So wow, uh, that's the first time somebody's ever said that in an introduction to me, and I didn't pay them. <laughs> so yes, this is James. Um, I don't actually. We're recording this via Skype, so I don't actually know how this is going to actually look when the video ends up coming out. So um, I'm gonna just look to my left and look to my right, and I'm just gonna hope I see James somewhere. Don't tell John my webcam is off. No, <laughs> I can see him though. That's the problem. He th that that's going to be a running a running gag on this show because it was a running gag on the last show. James telling jokes and me not understanding them. So really, it's going to be take a shot every every time every time that happens. They'll be dead within ten minutes. I was gonna say like if we did that, wow, wasted within the first five seconds of the show. So, yes, um, as you can see, I've prepared very, very much for this show by literally having the box of a TV that's over there, um, the empty box of a TV that's over there in the, in my background here. Um, did I bother to clean up my space before this show? No. Why did I do that? Probably because I'm lazy, but also probably because... <laughs> I just wanted something to talk about in the intro because I honestly have no idea how to start this. Um, so, so you talked about a box. You know what? We Okay, personal scanner. What? I have no idea what that means. Uh, it's um, an episode of The Simpsons where Principal Skinner takes them to a box factory for their field trip. Simpsons, which is on Disney+, Plus, which I will say is a nice segue into the first topic of Just Talking Marvel, WandaVision. Now, raise your hand if you only just this week realized what the title of WandaVision actually means. You know why it's called WandaVision? Because 
you know, I assumed it was called WandaVision because it was about Wanda and Vision together. But it's actually called WandaVision. It's because Wanda created her own reality and is now broadcasting her own sitcom. So it is literally Wanda Maximoff television. So it's literally WandaVision. And the fact that it took me two freaking years to figure out that that is what the title means is probably indicative of my level of intelligence. And I should also point out that I that when we ended Spider-Man's Tangled Web show back in 2017, it is now it is now 2021. My emotional maturity has only gone down since then. So I mean, since your last time you ranted on the Internet about robots in Spider-Man books being smarter than him. Yes, my emotional maturity has actually declined. So we're going to see we're going to we're going to see. This is going to be an interesting social experiment. But yes, just talking Marvel. Let let's talk about let's talk about what this show is first of all before we get into WandaVision. I segued into WandaVision too early. Uh, but what is just talking Marvel? Okay. Well, here's the thing. In real life, I don't talk very much, but when it comes to Marvel, I will talk endlessly. I will just – I will not shut the hell up. Although – oh, my first curse word, and it took five minutes. Wait until, wait until we, we, we drop way worse curse words than that. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to Marvel, I tend to not shut up about pretty much anything – no matter how well versed I am in the material or how much I don't know the material at all and I'm completely getting it wrong. But but I love to talk about Marvel and I really needed an outlet to talk about Marvel. And so I thought, you know what? Four years ago, I did a podcast about Spider-Man that we ended for reasons that I honestly didn't really want to end the show for, but life just got lifey. So... I'm deciding, okay, I, I want to talk about more than just Spider-Man now, so let's talk about all of Marvel. But I want to get something out of the way first in this first episode. In no way are we a podcast that talks about all of Marvel. Yes, it says just talking Marvel in the title, but we're talking about what we want to talk about with Marvel. So if you are here hoping to hear about all the latest news of every single Marvel piece of news or fiction that's coming out probably in the wrong place you probably want to follow like the official marvel podcasts for that but if you want to talk if you want to hear just two guys yakking about marvel for depending on how long each show goes if you want to just hear us talk about what we love about marvel then you're in the right place and if you want to see me make an idiot out of myself you're also in the right place Think of it as you being in a bar and just chit-chatting with a friend over whatever the hell's on the TV, and what happens to be on the TV ends up being a Marvel movie. And the guy you're with doesn't drink, but he's somehow acting dumber than literally every drunk person in the room. Oh, you haven't gone to bars, my friend. <laughs> that, that, that is a tall feat when you've seen half the shit I've seen in bars. Like, I got stories. I have a friend whose mom is banned from our favorite bar because she almost got in a fight with a girl literally half her age, maybe a quarter her age. <laughs> yes, well, my first job was actually in a bar, so let's not, let's let's back it up a little bit, James. 
<laughs> I have seen a few things, but okay. So just talking Marvel, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about the MCU. We're going to talk about the comics. We're going to talk about Disney Plus, which is technically, well, we're going to talk about other things that aren't MCU that are on Disney Plus that are Marvel related. Um, pretty much, we're just going to talk about what we love with Marvel, um, and we hope that you enjoy the show as much as we enjoy making it. Because this is something that we look forward to doing, hopefully weekly, and hopefully um, we can just make it work. So, first topic of the day, WandaVision. Now, WandaVision has been going on for six episodes now. We got the first two episodes in black and white, and they were released on the same day, on January 15th. And then we've gotten consecutive episodes since then. We have seen a lot, but also seen very little. Because what I've taken away from each episode of WandaVision is that as many questions as it answers, it also raises even more. So I'm wondering how in the heck they're going to end this thing with like how they're going to end it and pay off all the mystery and all the just hype that they've been building up for the first six episodes. But it is Marvel Studios, so I'm optimistic. That is something you will hear about. That is something you will hear about a lot. I like Marvel Studios, and I believe in a lot of stuff that they are doing. So, WandaVision is the number one show in the world right now, according to Nielsen Ratings. WandaVision is the number one streaming show in the world. So, thumbs up. I guess we've, we've officially made it. Um, but my thoughts on WandaVision so far, because if we do a whole individual review of the first six episodes of WandaVision, that would take us all night. But we're just going to talk generally about the first six episodes of WandaVision here. And my my thoughts are, I love it. It is a show that I honestly didn't have a whole lot of interest in for the first however long, or like however long they were advertising it. I'll admit that the shows I've been more interested in are Falcon and Winter Soldier, which we'll talk about later. Um, shows like Hawkeye and Ms. Marvel and, you know, other stuff like that. But this show has actually really intrigued me and I'm actually really invested in it now. And every time an episode ends, I'm like, are you kidding me? I have to wait another week. But, but it just started. It just started and it was giving me so much good stuff, which is a testament to how good the show is because when it makes you want something immediately when it's a week away that shows how invested we are in the show. Um, for me, the sitcom aspect of the, of one division is very entertaining. I found it to be, um, you know, it's Wanda envision in a completely different setting than we've ever seen them before. And to be honest with you, I like them more in the sitcom setting than I do in the actual MCU movies. Because as much as I love Wanda and Vision in the MCU and in the movies, and as much as I love the characters in the comics, this is actually it's actually really fun watching them play husband and wife in you know Wanda's magic Wanda's magic kingdom. Um, so um, I believe that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are at the absolute top of their games uh, when it comes to 
what they're doing with uh, the characters in terms of their acting. Um, it They've brought a level of humor to the characters that was not present before because Vision has never really been known for humor because he's kind of, you know, the intellectual android statistic type, you know. I mean, one of the most popular comic panels is him crying. I mean, that tells you what kind of character Vision is. And Wanda, Wanda has always been kind of a little bit of, you know, she, she's had to deal with her own personal issues. She's had to deal with her own coming of age issues, also dealing with, you know, the ramifications of her own powers and stuff like that. And in this one, they're just husband and wife, and they're just trying to get away from Catherine Hahn, who is being a nosy neighbor, and who is also Agatha Harkness, even though her name is Agnes in the show. But, of course, once... Probably once all the illusions go down and everything. Well, actually, that's the thing. It's not an illusion. But we'll talk about that even more. Um, but once all once all the WandaVision stuff goes down, they'll probably reveal, oh, Agatha Harkness. That'll probably be in the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness movie. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is not the last we see of Catherine Hahn. Um, but, yeah, they're basically just trying to raise their kids, you know, Tommy and Billy, that I didn't actually think were going to be in this show, but they did. Um, I don't know the actors' names because I honestly just – I've never – I'm not up on the up on child actors, okay? So I don't know their, I don't know their names. And they're going to be teenagers by the next episode probably? Yeah, so <laughs> they're probably not even going to stick around that much. But – um. Yes, Tommy and Billy Maximoff, Wick, or Speed and Wiccan, respectively, um, or however you, or however you pronounce uh, Billy's superhero name, um, they are in the show and they have their powers as of the end of episode six. Um, Pietro Maximoff is back? Question mark because he's played by Evan Peters, who is not the person who played him in Avengers: Age of Ultron. He is played by Evan Peters from the Fox X-Men franchises, and even in-universe, they, they know it's not the Quicksilver of their universe, so that opens up a whole bunch of other questions about the multiverse and what exactly, how exactly Marvel is going to integrate everything into this MCU now that they have the 21st Century Fox acquisition, and now that they're bringing... Spider-Man characters over, so it open it opens up is it opens up a lot of questions. And man, I'm doing this with my hands a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but yes. Um, who else is there? We have Randall Park as Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man and the Wasp, who learned a card trick. He learned. He went to online close-up Magic University. And actually learned that card trick from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Good for him, I guess. I didn't even realize the joke until a YouTube, you know, review pointed it out. Like, yes, honestly. that was that was the thing. I felt so bad because I didn't see that either. I'm like, oh, he's just pulling his card out. Oh wait, he just did it by he did the card trick. That I and felt so bad because the show that's all about magic and stuff like that. Like, he does the card trick here. But I'm like. I really should have noticed that the first time I watched it. But that's the thing. I I that's the thing about me viewing WandaVision. I can never trust my first impression of a WandaVision episode because pretty much all of them I'm waking up very early in the morning because I watched them before work so that no one spoils it for me. Um um but also back in the MCU Darcy 
Dr. Darcy Lewis. Yes, Dr. Darcy Lewis. Okay, I'm a huge Kat Dennings fan. I watched Two Broke Girls, and I love Darcy in the first two Thor films. And so seeing her here completely, like, not completely differently, but just in a more awesome role, yes, I am officially a Darcy Lewis stan. So my only complaint, though, is how she fills the role of a lot of girls. They do on a lot of the stuff where it's like she's the pop culture reference where everything she says is just pop culture, this pop culture, that like it doesn't get a grading because nobody talks that way. Like girls in the real world, I know don't every sentence is some pop culture reference. But in this show, she's not she's not the intern. She's the boss. And she actually can break through firewalls of, you know, major international like agencies like sword. And um, yeah, let me just say, if your firewalls are that bad, man, sword is even worse than shield. (laughs) But um. Yes, uh, WandaVision, I'm loving the show so far. My first, or, or my favorite episode out of the first six is easily episode five, um, which is their kind of 80s episode. But it's also the episode where you really get the most sense of what's going on and where they answer the most questions. And it's the episode where I honestly thought Wanda was going to kill some people because when she emerges from the hex, with that drone and and all the guns are on her and she's like you know she could have very easily I mean that's the thing Darcy even jokes about it in this week's episode hey it's the guy who almost got murdered by his own murder squad yeah she literally waves her hand and mind controls all the gunmen to to take a shot at Hayward and and he's like oh my gosh I'm going to freaking die and I'm going to be honest with you I thought they were going to take the shot but also, yeah, that was probably the scariest scene from, from any Wanda Maximoff appearance in the MCU so far. Because Not because I was scared of Wanda, but because of, like, Wanda's going to kill people. Like, this is not going to go well. She's going to kill people. And, I, and when, when, when everyone walked away from that, okay, that was the most shocking part of the whole thing. Because I was like, she's going to kill them. So that was uh, that was that was probably my favorite moment of WandaVision so far. But also it brings up the ethical question of, okay, we now know what this is. This is Wanda has created her own reality. She's not entirely sure how she did it. That's probably going to be revealed in the next episodes, maybe even the next episode. But she created her own reality. She brought Vision back to life in a way that we don't know how. And everything inside the reality, she's in control of. And when I say everything, I mean literally everything. Whether she wants to or not. And also, I feel really bad for the people who are on the outskirts of town and Wanda's not thinking about them. Where they're just trying to hang their laundry. But they're doing it. They're unsuccessful. And they just, they're like... They're doing this constantly. I felt so bad for that woman because it's like, oh, you're on the outskirts of town. Wanda doesn't have the time to control you right now. So you're in your own personal hell kind of because you how can't. Are, how are those people not dead? 
Well, she has an I well, I guess she has enough energy to keep them alive and to and to repress their personalities and make them subservient to her, but she doesn't have enough energy to make them to at least sit them down on a couch and let them nap or something. <laughs> out of sight, like, out of mind. Literally. Yeah, literally. Out of sight, out of mind, hanging laundry constantly. Oh man, that's horrible. Um, but even Pietro in the latest episodes says like, you know, you've handled the ethics of this really well. You've kept families together. You've given people better jobs, even kind of kept the personalities a little bit. And can I just say only on Disney plus could we get a full episode of Wanda and vision in their classic comic book costumes for a whole episode. That was awesome. Like, not just the fact that they were in it, the fact that they spent a whole episode of the show in their costumes. That was awesome. Or at least Wanda did. But then Vision kind of reverted to his MCU look after he was well, going Wiccan out. Well, Wiccan and, Chris, uh, uh, Wiccan and uh, Quicksilver did kind of too, even though they were more like makeshift Halloween costumes. Yeah, I love that as well. That was something that um, the sixth – the most recent episode – was very much a love letter to the comics in, in terms of just how, uh, in terms of the visuals of it. Um, because Quicksilver and, and Wanda, who has yet to be called the Scarlet Witch, um, they looked, they looked exactly like they were just ripped out of a Jack Kirby comic. Um, I, I like, I like how they explain it to these, their comic book costumes as, oh, he's dressed up as a Mexican wrestler and she's dressed up as a fortune teller and, Quicksilver is a flash knockoff, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm loving the show so far. Um, I have pretty much nothing but praise for it. I mean, the, the show has gotten some kickback because, I, I mean, this isn't, this isn't my quote. This is a quote from someone else on the Internet that, who, honestly, I, I can't remember the name. But um, it's gotten some kind of pushback a little bit because – People have forgotten how to watch TV um, because in this whole era of binge watching and streaming and everything, people aren't used to having to wait a week of like, oh, we have to wait a week to find out what happens next. And people are like, oh, but we want it all now, which I understand. This isn't the first Marvel series. Netflix is like the only streaming service I know of that drops every episode at once. Every other one, as far as I know, does it once a week like this, too. Like Mandalorian did it, the HBO shows do it, the Hulu shows do it, the Amazon shows do it. You wait week by week, just like you would if you were watching this on cable. Yes, but it's it's kind of like I understand your frustration, but still, but it's you're just kind of it's it's kind of how it works. But yes, so I'm loving the show so far. I've done a lot of talking. James has not had a lot of time to talk. So James, what do you think of One Division so far? Uh, like you said, it's really good. Like I, every episode, you know, at first it started off as me with because I'm not even a big Wanda or Vision fan from the comics. Like I like House of M, which is just definitely a lot of House of M in this. I like some of the Wanda stories. I like some of the Vision stories the last couple of years. But you know, I'm not. I wouldn't say like I'm a big fan of these characters. So it's kind of like you going into it. At first, it was just, oh, MCU Marvel characters, you know, doing a I Love Lucy, Brady Bunch, you know, My my Three Dads. That kind of, that's how my mom got into the show, too, was kind of like a love letter to the shows, obviously, in the 60s she grew up with, those first two or three episodes. Uh, 
So I like that. It's like, oh, Marvel sitcom, but there's some twists to it with mystery of how it's going on. You know, really good. And as you go to every episode, you just get more and more down the rabbit hole, literally. <laughs> and just more questions. Like, one week, everybody's convinced Ames behind it because the beekeeper sued. And next week, they're convinced it's this person. Next week, it's Mephisto. And then the week after this, it's, no, it is Wanda. No, it's Quicksilver or an invasion from the Fox universe because Fox wants to get revenge for buying them out. <laughs> I just love that. Uh how they're doing everything. I The Quicksilver one got me because I was like, I didn't see the spoiler by the fact that they got the Quicksilver from Fox voice dub actor from, you know, to be the same from the other countries too. I didn't connect those dots. I didn't pay attention to any of those weird spoilers. So when I was watching it up with some friends because we were safely, you know, you know, by ourselves, just a few of us, you know, with masks and stuff like that, we're celebrating a friend's birthday and we watched that episode together and I thought it was... Eccles, and then, or whatever his name is, the guy from the first movie, and it ended up not being, and it ended up being Peter Evans, and I was like, oh, it's, no, it's Peter Evans, oh, that's awesome. Actually, his name is Evan Peters, but we'll go with that. <laughs> I know, I got screwed up on names. I, I'm really bad with names. People are going to learn that lesson with me. Yes. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, that twist is really crappy, and I'm, and I'm really excited to see where that goes. Uh, I know some people are saying, oh, this episode proves he's not Quicksilver, because he name dropped, oh, your dead husband can't die again, and how would he know that? Well, they've been there's there hasn't at least been maybe a week or two in between the last couple episodes. She probably told if he knew all this other stuff about you know how she made this universe. I'm sure she name dropped. Well, Vision is dead to him when Vision's not around. <laughs> so that's not proof that he's not who he says he is yet to me. And yes, Agnes is the villain. She is Hartness all the way. I've seen some people say, no, this episode proves it's not her. But think about it for a second. Think about this. She is on the part of town where supposedly, like you said, people are frozen still and just hanging laundry. How did she still drive to get lost and was able to talk to Vision if she's on a part of town that Wanda's not caring about? And that's the thing, too. It's just like. It's just too obvious that Agnes is not who she who she says she is. It's just there's just little details like the fact that when the they were showing like the cast when they were doing like okay this person's the hearts are really these people and Herb's really this guy and this guy is this person and this person and that person's really this person. Monica Rambeau got named changed to Geraldine, but yet when you notice when it goes to Agnes, there's a question mark. They don't got no ID for her yet. Almost like she's not supposed to be there. Yeah, it's like, who is this person? She I doesn't mean, live. There's the devil, you know, the devil is in the details, and that's the only place he's hiding. She has that weird pennant that she always has. You know, she the, the episode with the kids in the 80s theme with the doghouse and the dog and everything is almost like she is trying to push the kids to grow up because if you read the comics, she's there that gives Wanda the idea to have the kids, just like in the comics, and then because they're actually the spawn of Mephisto. But it's for some other villain to get Mephisto powers. It's comics convoluted. They're streamlining it here. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's where we're going to go. Ralph is Mephisto. He's going to show up and go, I'm Mephisto. Blah. You know, I took your soul because your kids have you and Vision souls and, and Pedro's souls in them. And blah, 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 blah. Now, if you don't mind me, i got to go ask Tom Holland if he's willing to sell a sandwich to me for his Aunt May. Bye. I mean, it's going to be something like that. 
I mean, a lot of people are pointing to Mephisto as being behind it. I'm not con- I'm not entirely sold on that idea yet, but I mean, we still have three more episodes, so and we still have a lot more content to get through. I think so. I don't think. Okay, I'm gonna say it right now. I don't think Mephisto is in this show, but I do think he is the mastermind puppeteering it behind the scenes. I think they're gonna show that Agnes is the villain. She's Agatha Harfa from the uh, from the comics. She is gonna st- name drop him or say him or you know some kind of reference to like a devil or something like that. After she gets it's all revealed and you know the smoking mirrors are all gone with this t- what reality. And then, like, in Multiverse of Madness, the villain's Mephisto. And it's going to be her and Mephisto. That, I could definitely see that happening. Um, it's kind of yeah, more of a progression from WandaVision to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is what this has always been. It's always been WandaVision is the starting point. Doctor Strange 2 is the aftermath of it with Wanda and... Strange is kind of like... And Spider-Man 3 is kind of the middle ground in between there somewhere. It's the, Spider-Man 3 is the tie-in to this event. <laughs> if you want to use the comic book terms. Uh, the one other thing I want to say before you know we switch it is I love the commercials. Uh, this, this commercial, so many people I don't think get it, and I think this commercial is the final proof that it is Mephisto. Think about it. You got this lone survivor who's all by himself on an island. And then a predatory predator, a shark comes and says, here, I got an offer for you. Here's yogurt. Here, you can live off it. And he can't open yogurt and he eventually dies. Symbolizing how this is essentially Wanda made a deal with the devil to bring back Vision, to get Quicksilver out of the Fox universe, to get her kids. And then he's going to, and then him through Agnes, is going to go yoink at the end of the show. That's, I mean, that is a very interesting theory. I'd be intrigued to see if that is actually what's going to happen here. Um, that there is so much logic behind that theory that I really can't, I can't argue with it very much. Um, but I'm just excited to see where the show goes. Um, I'm, ex- I mean, people are uh, talking about. Um, what exactly is going on with uh, sword director Tyler Hayward? People are I like, think oh. that, I think that that's setting up not stuff for him in the show. Maybe, maybe who knows, but I do think that because the next show is going to be very shield captain America, you know, focus heavy because of what it is. I think he's there to kind of backdoor pilot into winter soldier and Falcon. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, him and his sword, you know, evil part of you know the vision is going to be somehow evolved into that i think i think it's setting up him in that universe i mean in that show i mean tyler hayward i don't i mean to my knowledge tyler Hay- tyler hayward has no comic history he is a completely original character that they've made up for the show so it, it's hard to go off of any sort of source material as to whether or not he's going to have a more villainous arc or if he's just some asshole that they're going to be like, yeah, it's obviously setting up something because they're tracking vision. I think it's, they were trying to make vision a mo- like a, a, yo, we can make a robot sending an AI, you know, our own Avenger. I think that's what it is setting up that he was doing something shady with vision's body. Like that's why Wanda broke in. We're not getting that final piece of the puzzle that she can't remember. She broke in because they were going to use his body 
And then whatever happened, happened with Eggman or Mephisto or whoever it is that helped her create the WandaVision, you know, sitcom universe. Uh, I just want to say, though, I really do love how, again, showing the strength of Marvel, of how you can, if you're a comic, if you're not a comic fan, it's just a really fun Marvel show with Marvel characters that that's really fun, interesting, and different. It's a comedy, but not really, you know, because the whole sitcom thing. And then, but yet, if you're a comic fan, you're just like, oh, this is a reference to Tom King's Vision Rock. Or this is a, with the whole family and the dog Sparky and, you know, the whole kind of wholesome, you know, leave the beaver kind of suburbia. Oh, that's Tom King's vision run. Wanda creating this universe because of a nervous breakdown of literally losing everybody. Okay, this is Disassembled. This is House of M. Oh, this is a reference to, you know, when Wiccan and Speed are born, you know, that's going to reference other comic events. Oh, this is a reference to this. This is a reference. I like that how you, you could pinpoint the different comics with Wanda and Vision and just see the elements like it's not completely ripping off those books but it's like clearly it's made with love and enjoyment of the sort and respect for the source material and that speaks to of course the accessibility of the marvel universe because Mar- marvel's whole thing throughout you know their 60 plus years of publication it's the world right outside your window and you can just you can just drop yourself in and it's it's a family-friendly universe, and you can watch it, and you don't necessarily have to have watched the other stuff. So they've really, they've really kind of, um, not they, they've they've they made the shot here. All right, I was trying to figure out whatever the opposite of drop the ball is. It, I guess it, it, it's what it's what uh, it's what Stanley has oh, well, he, when he was alive. Rest in peace. He used to always say. Treat every comic as if every issue is somebody's first. And that's what the show does. When they name, they don't just drop Quicksilver from the Fox universe into it and you're left saying, who the hell is this guy? Two episodes before, or one episode before, whatever it was, when she's with Geraldine, when she's with Monica Rambeau, she says, I had a twin brother too named Pedro, and she named off, he died by, he died from Ultron. So when he appears here in the show, you you if you're someone who never saw Age of Ultron or never saw one of the Fox X Men movie, you at least get the context of why she was so shocked seeing this guy at her door. All right, but I mean, we t- I mean we've said we've we've talked about Wandavision generally. Um, we'll probably have more in um in depth episode reviews of not just Wandavision but the all the um oncoming Disney Plus shows. Um, we'll probably do more in-depth episode reviews as those uh, shows come out and as this show evolves and grows into hopefully something. Um, but yeah, my final thoughts on WandaVision are it's a great show. I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait for more episodes. And then I can't wait until when it's all over. I'm just going to binge watch the whole thing in one sitting. And I'm just going to be like, and I'm going to look at the first episodes completely differently, or I'm going to I'm going to look at I'm going to look at the fifth episode completely differently, or we're going to look at literally everything completely differently, and just say, "Wow, this this is not what we expected." But I just want to say, like, just just look at it from episode from this standpoint of episode one, where it was a straight up Marvel parody of a I Love Lucy, Dick Van Dyke show, fifties you know, sitcom. And now because we're going into the more modern, like Malcolm in the Middle, the Full Houses, the last couple episodes, you are seeing the reality breaks as television changed. And I do like that how they do that, how 
the fifties during, you know, you know, the McCarthy era and all that stuff was very much kind of like when you watch the TV show, it was mom and dad, apple pie, dad worked, mom stayed home. The kids were straight A students. They had some shenanigans because they had the sitcom, you know, funny stuff for the, that week's episode, but it was mostly like, gee whiz, you know, let's go, go to the drugstore and get a soda pop and pay a dime for that new comic book. And, oh, wow, Willie, let's go do this, you know, for our school where, and as they, and that's a very much a dream world, you know, those old 50 shows of an ideal utopia where everybody's happy in the sunshine and a rainbow in a black and white, you know, utopia, suburbia. And then now when we're getting into more of the more modern television, no, there is shades of gray. And I like that. How the show is breaking reality as they get closer to literally television matching kind of sort of the real world or what Marvel would always say, the world outside your window. All right, but uh, m- moving off of the WandaVision topic, um, another topic of discussion that came out this week, this past weekend actually, the official trailer for Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming to Disney Plus on March 19th, which is two weeks after the WandaVision finale, which officially debunks all the theories of, oh, well, they can't release Falcon and Winter Soldier until after Black Widow comes out, which we'll talk about later. Um, yeah, they're releasing Falcon and Winter Soldier before Black Widow comes out. Probably months before Black Widow comes out. But maybe again, we'll talk. Maybe even a year before. Maybe even two years before. Who knows at this point? Because I don't really believe anyone when they tell me about when they talk about movie release dates anymore. But yes, Falcon and Winter Soldier. What we should point out it is outdoing the Mandalorian in hype level. Apparently, fa- apparently fans of Disney plus are more hyped for Falcon and the winter soldier than they are for the Mandalorian and stuff. So that is, that is again, another victory in Marvel's in Marvel's column. Um, but looking at the trailer, I have a few big takeaways. One, it's going to be Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan as themselves. And they're just going to fuck around the whole time. And they're just going to be complete idiots the whole time. And that's going to be really fun to watch six episodes of. Because, yes, I mean, they have, like, the whole Bucky-Sam conflict. And originally, I mean, looking back to uh, the Civil War movie, it was Sam who didn't like Bucky. And now it's Bucky who doesn't like Sam. Mr. Barnes, why does Sam aggravate you? And so... Now it, but now they're also just going to play up the comedy of these two actors because they have such good chemistry together, and they're going to say, you know what, let's have a staring contest. Are you having a staring contest? You say the world's upside down, and Zemo and Baron Zemo is out there, and you're too busy having a staring contest to go stop him. Yep, sounds about right. <laughs> Um, I think the show is going to be hilarious, um, but I also think it's going to be a really, really good Captain America 4. Because that's, I mean, that's that's what it is. I mean, it's Captain America 4 without Chris Evans, because... It's like, in the, WandaVision's kind of like this too, if you think about it. With all the MCU shows so far, it's... Okay, the books that can sell, like your amazing Spider-Man is obviously the the Spider-Man, Sony, you know, movies that they got. You know, the Avengers are their own movie. The, you know, the Iron Man movies are their own movie. This is 
Winter Soldier and Falcon wouldn't sell a comic book solo book by themselves, but if we make it a miniseries, we could do you know one or four to five issue miniseries. There we go. And I, it's kind of I think that's the same mindset they got with these shows. Is that that they're okay? They can't support their own book, but they can support their own miniseries. And I do like that how, like you said, it is essentially by that Captain America form. It's you know we see we see Sam wielding the shield. We see Bucky catching the shield at one point. Um, we see we see Sharon Carter back, you know, for the first time since Civil War, and hopefully, you know, Sharon Carter is probably one of the m- most underserved characters in the Marvel in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She was kind of like, yeah, I'm a love interest in Captain in Cap two and three, and then you know she and Cap kiss in Civil War, and that's the last we see of her. Yeah, it kind of doesn't really I- do. I think the reason for that was is obviously they were going to follow the comics. How, you know, Peggy Carter was retconned. I don't think she was in the 40 comics, but like, you know, okay, her, 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 her aunt was, you know, Cap's girlfriend in the 40s. Cap, I guess, had a weird thing for the family. That's kind of weird when you think about it. And then he's with Sharon and he's in the comics still off and on to this day with Sharon. And I think that they were going to go for that. But Peggy, because of her own show and everything, became so popular they were just by the time they got to the end of you know end game and stuff like they were like okay now Cap has to go back to the forties and he's gonna be with Peggy and they live happily ever after because that's obviously what our story now has to go to because of how popular Peggy became. Yeah, so I'm hoping that they do justice by Sharon Carter because she was not done justice in the films. So I can't wait to see Emily Van Camp just kick major levels of ass in this show. But also, I mean, think about it. She, when she shows up with the gun, she has every reason to be pissed off at a Captain America allegories. Her boyfriend pretty much dumped her for her dead aunt. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, you He's tried her to- uncle now. <laughs> Think that. Her ex-boyfriend is now her uncle. This is Jerry Springer. Okay, then. You know, I hadn't considered that. Makes it a lot more creepy. And it makes me thankful that they didn't, you know, there was, this is completely off topic, but not really off topic. There was an idea floating around on the internet of what they could have done with Stan Lee's final Marvel cameo before he passed. And they were like, oh, what if he was old man Cap this whole time, just checking in on his friends? And then it's like, so old man Cap would have been watching himself make out with his own niece that would have that 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 is the one part where it's like like as much as i love that idea and as much as i love the idea of stan lee being the watcher and everything or a watcher i should say he's not the watcher um that's going to be jeffrey wright but um as much as i i do like how they took that fan fear because now that they do got they got the sony deal they got everything else in-house because disney bought everything (laughs) Uh, that now they can recon, like you said, the, the, the multiverse, and you can say that Stan Lee in this universe is the watcher who watches the multiverse. I mean, he's he's literally in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two as a watcher. So I mean, I don't I don't know how I don't know how much more they could do to really make that reference official. But that is the one part where it's like, okay, I'm glad they didn't use Stan Lee as Old Man Cap because then it would have been really weird. At least in the Cap movies. 
Um, well, then that, that would have been really weird because, like you said, you got to explain him in the multiverse with the Fox, you know, different universes and the Sony ones. Was was Steve like, hey, let me go to this other dimension and see what this different version of Peter Parker is doing? Oh, look out! There's a little girl who's gonna be hit by falling debris, like the cameo in Spider-Man One. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other topic that we can talk about with Falcon and Winter Soldier, Zemo, baby, back in the purple mask. Aka, gonna... we heard your complaints about how bad he was as a villain in Civil War Three, even though even though he wasn't needed for Captain America Three. It was like, oh, we heard your complaints about how we really fucked up Baron Zemo. So this show is gonna be, we're gonna make up for. We kind of made up for Mandarin in that one shot, you know, special feature thing on the DVD. Now this is us making up for Baron Zemo. And to be fair, they're gonna make up. They're gonna try to make up for Mandarin and Shang Chi, but. We'll see how well that goes, because as much, you know, as much as, you know, they need to make up for the Mandarin after his appearance in Iron Man 3, which I'll be honest, I like Iron Man 3. I like that movie a lot. It's probably the least Marvel movie I have gone back to rewatch. Like, I've only seen it in feelers, and I think that's it. <laughs> Look, I like Iron Man 3. I like it a lot, but I understand I understand people's complaints about the Mandarin. Like so, there, there is plot points in that movie where people will make like when they'll build, like one division episode five or, you know, Ant Man the Wasp, you know, break down all these Easter eggs and go, this is a reference to Iron Man three. I'm like, I don't remember that in Iron Man three. But there's so much about that movie, I just mind blocking is how bad I thought it was. But Baron Zemo coming back for this show, and if you look at, there's actually a shot in the trailer. Of Sam and Bucky following a guy wearing the exact same jacket as Zemo is in an earlier shot of the trailer. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be kind of. I'm not saying that they're teaming up or that Zemo is manipulating them. I'm just saying it looks it looks weird. Okay, so we're going to have to wait until the show comes out to actually see what the heck that is about. But. I mean, just the trailer, it really got me hyped up for the show. Um, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, they look like they're going to just knock this out of the park. Um, so look forward to our Falcon and Winter Soldier episode reviews as those come out. Uh, um, I, I just want to say real quickly, what I love most about you know, the trailer is the one-shot joke that the that the uh, therapist, like you just say, has. Where she's like, seriously, how old are you? And that smirk that both of you have. <laughs> I think somebody did the math. Like he's if he he's technically like 103, 104 now or something like that. Yeah, that is the question. That literally, I was done watching the trailer and I said out loud, "Does it does it help or hurt his case that he's 100 years old? <laughs> does it help him or does it hurt him? I'm not quite sure." Because technically, he's physically and mentally, yeah, he's mid early to mid 30s, but at the same time, he's technically is a, over a century old. How old are you? Does it help me or hurt me when I tell you that I'm 100 years old? Honestly, I, I can't decide. I, I, I've seen somebody uh, say that that smirk in the way he looks is him saying that he doesn't know because how it was literally like Hydra, like I'm freezing him. Okay, do a mission. Okay, that took a day. So he was a, one day and then he was frozen. So technically he's in his mid-30s-ish. But how does that count when you add up that he was technically frozen in time like 
89% of the time. <laughs> and in Infinity War, he calls himself a semi-stable 100-year-old man, so he knows how old he is. So, all right, but um, moving on to our next topic, Black Widow, the movie. Oh, I want to talk about this, but I also kind of really don't want to talk about this because, oh my gosh. We got to address the uh, giant size pandemic, you know, elephant in the room. I mean, look, COVID has been a horrible experience for everyone. I'm not going to minimize that. Hundreds of thousands of people in the United States have died from COVID. Not going to minimize that. There, you know, COVID has basically changed the world and it basically did it overnight, pretty much. At least here in the U.S. it did, because literally one day the NBA shut down and then the next day, literally everything else shut down. Literally the next day my work did because we had our first case in my city. It was literally, oh, shit, the, the NBA, you know, shut down midway through games even because one, one player caught this. Oh shit! And then, like, literally, like, half hour later, it's like, actually, there's three people in our town that just tested positive for it. And then there was a mad dash because I work at Target of people buying toilet paper and I. That's so. And the most craziest thing, people were stockpiling on milk. They had no water. They had no baby food. They had no actual essentials they needed to survive. But they were stocking up on toilet paper and they were stocking up on deodorant and they were stocking up on milk and macaroni and cheese. So, look, COVID has been an absolute nightmare for literally everybody. We're not minimizing that. But, and here's, and here's, where, here's where I sound like a complete entitled asshole. They've delayed the Black Widow movie. They delayed it to November of last year, which we saw coming. And to be honest wasn't that you know it was it was a fair delay so we're like okay we're gonna get black widow in november instead of may okay then september of last year comes around and they say no we're gonna push it back even further we're gonna push it back to may of 21 because yeah it turns out this virus that everyone said was gonna go away once the temperatures got warmer yeah it didn't go away you mean um, the one that people are saying was not real to begin with and are still saying that? Yeah, yes, this uh, this massive hoax that is called COVID, even though it's not a hoax, it is actually the, you know, it's, it it literally felt like, it, I mean, like, maybe I'm sounding overdramatic, but to me it felt like the end of the world because I'd never seen anything like this before. All right. It's the closest humanity has come to that since, what, World War II probably? So. It, it's so. It's so weird because of all that, just to go on the tangent, because I know people who are convinced that it's just our media lying to get Trump out of to get Trump out of office. It was just the American media that lied. And if you go to the outside world and other countries, because our borders are closed and you can't do that, you would see that everybody's fine and it's just a big lie. Even though I personally know friends from the UK, friends from Canada, friends from Japan, friends from Australia, friends from Taiwan. And guess what? They all fucking are taking COVID more serious than we ever will. <laughs> yes. So COVID is real. Let's talk. Let's just say that right now. COVID is real. This show 
Just talking Marvel. We believe in science. Okay. Okay. For some reason, I'm getting, like, subtitles of what you're saying. And the subtitle sounds even more like a conspiracy theory. It says, COVID is Israel. Let's talk about something right now. COVID is Israel. Okay. Subtitles. <laughs> Let me clarify that. What's a, what, what's a synonym for real that I can use? COVID is reality. You can't turn that into a country. <laughs> no, it's, no, it says COVID is Israel T. <laughs> you know what? You know what Skype subtitles? <laughs> Go sit on a pine cone, Skype subtitles. All right. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. What did it just make me say? <laughs> Go sit on Chris Pine. Coast. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the best part. Sub, like, like Subway, sub titties. <laughs> okay. I was not anticipating this level of comedy from the first episode of our show. But you know what? I'll take it. So, Black Widow is now supposedly going to release on May 7th. Raise your hand if you actually think that's going to happen. Even if it does, I'm not going to go see it. I'm going to literally wait until it's on Disney Plus like three months later. If it comes out, I will put on a mask. I will go see it in the theater. I will socially distance I, myself. I can't. Every feeder in my state has, unless you're like in Milwaukee, I think is shut down. The movie theater that is that is literally across the street from where I work is actually open, but no one goes to it. Um, but I will put on a mask and I will socially distance myself from other people in the movie theaters, which, to be honest with you, I was pretty good at social distancing before the pandemic even happened. So when they asked, when they asked people to social distance, I was like, so just live my life the way I've been doing it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yes, um, I will socially distance myself and I will sit in the theater and I will watch black widow. If it comes out in theaters, the talk right now of what they're going to, of what they want to do with it is that, Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney, wants to say, hey, we want this movie to come out, and we want it to come out on May 7th, whether or not, you know, COVID has died down or not. So, not, we're, best experts are saying we're looking at November-ish, when it should get semi-normal again, with the vaccine and the testing our best guess is things will be normal-ish. Not 100% normal yet, because that's still years away right now with this thing. But to get normal-ish to the fact that we are on, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, won't be until around November. The best is, and that's the best estimate, with how the, especially with how the vaccine's ramping up and how you know more qu- quicker we are with testing, people can social distance, you know, and quarantine, you know, off. We so May is. Three months, what, two, three months from now. 
that is not going to be reasonable. That's not going to be realistic. So Bob Chapek is quoted as saying he wants to be flexible with the Black Widow release date. So people are taking that as saying, okay, they're going to possibly do what they did with Mulan, or not not even what they did with Mulan, do <laughs> what they're doing with Rhea and the Last Dragon. I don't care what the fucking subtitles say. I'm not going to give you that acknowledgement, James. It says so Bob Shay Pex is quoted. <laughs> All right. So they're saying, okay, they'll do a hybrid release theaters and Disney plus with premiere access. They're thinking that, but then here's the other report that is out there. Kevin Feige, president of Marvel studios and man who I admire very much because he is the mastermind behind pretty much all of this. And I really am thankful for, I'm thankful for him for so many reasons. Apparently, he's the person in the room saying, no, I want it in the theaters. End of story. You can do that, but you can also have it on Disney Plus, too, kind of like what, you know, HBO is doing. That's exactly what they need to do, because here's the thing, Kevin Feige. If you don't do it on Disney Plus, it's not going to come out. And I'm, I'm going to be 30 years old by the time it comes out, and I don't turn 30 for seven more years. You know what's sad? There was so many stuff I wanted to do before I turned 30 which was last year, which got screwed over because of COVID. So guess what, John? You can go for it, too. You do realize that, what you know, as much as Warner Brothers pissed off literally every filmmaker, especially Christopher Nolan, because apparently people care about what Christopher Nolan thinks. He, he single-handedly, like, made Warner Brothers a billion dollars with every one of his movies. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm. This is not a Christopher Nolan podcast. This is a Marvel podcast, so I'm not required to know everything about Christopher Nolan, except that he made three Batman movies, and he made Tenet, which bombed in theaters because he was in because he too was insistent on oh, it has to release in theaters. Don't be Christopher Nolan, Kevin Feige. Don't do it. Though you did, though you did cast Christian Bale in Thor: Love and Thunder, so you're kind of already on, you're kind of already on that path. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that people need to remember about this. I get, you know, directors and actors and whatnot complaining about the fact that no, we need to have these things out in theaters. I don't get that. If you work in a movie theater. Or if you own a, an AMC or a Cinemark or a – what's the other one I know that we got here in Wisconsin? I can't think of it right now. Marcus, if you own these major chains and, yeah, you are about to go bankrupt any minute, it seems like every day in like any movie news site show I watch. It's like any day now a lot of these can go bankrupt because obviously theaters are either closed or social distance or whatnot or movies are just not coming out during the pandemic. And I get if those people are worried about movies not going because we're getting to that point now where very soon when people get addicted to just I can go on, you know, Disney Plus and watch the new Pixar movie. I can go on HBO and watch the new DC movie. I can go on Amazon Prime and watch whatever other major studio release, you know, is on there. It's going to get to the point of why do I got to go to the movie theater where I get where I pay like 10 bucks for one beer. 12 bucks for a large popcorn, 
plus an extra 25 cents if you want butter on it. You know, this first soda, t-shirt, you know, this chair, all that stuff. You're looking at, especially if it's like a date night or you're going as the family, like upwards of 30, 40, 50 bucks. And that's not including the movie ticket where I can just order something from DoorDash, be in the comfort of my own home and my PJs, you know, on my TV, one click of the button, you know, pay four or five, six dollars, whatever they're charging me to rent a new release. And I can just sit there and I can watch, you know, the newest Batman movie or whatever. Yeah. That's the thing about movie theaters, and it's the thing that they've been saying for a long time. This was coming before COVID. COVID just sped it up. This was obviously – people were talking about this when Netflix and Hulu first became a thing like 10, 15 years ago. People were already talking about that this is going to happen one day. COVID just sped up the timeline. So here's my message to Kevin Feige and to Disney and to everyone. Do the right thing. Put it in theaters. You can have your theatrical release and people can have that experience. But put it on Disney Plus too on the same day with Premiere Access or without Premiere Access. Because HBO Max is doing it for no at no extra cost. And correct me if I'm wrong, Premiere Access doesn't mean you don't get the movie. Like Mulan still like I even though when it was the Premiere Access thing. Was it like a week later? It was on, you know, for everybody else or something like that. So I was like, they, they, with Premiere Access, it's the movie comes out, you pay thirty bucks for it, and then you get to see it three months before it hits Disney Plus for everybody. Because <clears throat> Mulan came out on Disney Plus in what was it, September. And it was by around Christmas cri- time because that was supposed yeah. to be like a big Christmas release, remember? And, yeah, and Christmas and by Christmas it was at, it was available for everybody. So Disney, Marvel, do the right thing, put it on Disney Plus and in theaters simultaneously if you want to have any semblance of a film future. Because here's here's the blatant truth right now. Things aren't coming out. Black Widow's not going to be out in in theaters. It's not going to make a billion dollars in May. It's not going to make a billion dollars in May of next year. It's not going to make a billion dollars in two years from now. That's the thing. They want it to make a billion dollars because, you know, and, and I get it. I get it. You want Scarlett Johansson and Natasha Romanoff to make a billion dollars with her own movie. I want that, too, because the character deserves it. I want that as well. I'm a huge Scarlett Johansson fan. I'm a huge Black Widow fan. I, I'm I'm pumped for this movie. I want to see it. But here's the other thing. Because of the fact that it's been delayed so much and because I don't believe a freaking word that comes out of anybody's mouth when it comes to movie release dates anymore, my excitement for this movie is gone. Unless you put it on Disney+, Plus. I forget about it. Like, honestly, like until somebody mentions Black Widow still coming out, I honestly think that I honestly think the next Marvel movies are your Doctor Strange 2, your Spider-Man 3, your Fantastic Four 1 that's theoretically what four or five years off. I don't think Black Widow. I forget completely about it because they did get screwed over because of the wrong place, wrong time of COVID. But see what you will. Other Disney movies like Milan have finally figured out in Disney that. 
this is going to be the nature of the beast and for like the next one or two years. You know, HBO obviously did, despite all the backlash it's got, it learned that lesson. Universal with putting their crap on Prime. And obviously that's going to go on their own streaming, you know, Peacock probably, once those movies are coming out. This is going to be, this is the world we're living in. It's not just that streaming has replaced cable and over-the-air and satellite television. It is now officially replaced going into a movie theater. It's just the way it's going to and, and here's the thing, and you know why? Because even with the vaccines and even with people with masks and social distancing and everything, people don't want to go into a crowded theater full of people this 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 soon. I mean, we're I mean, we're not even I mean, I can't even say after covid because we're not we're not even remotely close to being out of covid. Come back. But, if a year, like I like I told people when they were talking about, well, Comic Con still has to go on because the vaccines around. Here's here's the, here's the already. Come back to me in 2022 about Comic Con for 2023, because that's the reality we're going to be in for cons and you know movie feeders and mass gatherings. No that's, one, no one wants to go sit in a theater full of strangers. Who they can't guarantee if social distance and masked up and probably, you know, and and here's the thing. I work in retail. It is required in my state. I live in Ohio. It is required by mandate in Ohio to wear a mask. Same in Wisconsin. Nobody listens. There's people who there's Karens that don't listen to it, but it is required. Yeah, I literally I literally had a guy at work kind of I'm spitballing a little i'm not i'm not spitballing i'm going on a little bit of a tangent here i had a guy at work refuse to wear a mask and 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 all i said to him was sir i'm gonna have to ask you to put on a mask i said it very politely very pc no i didn't fight the guy or whatever yeah but they're anti-pc they're also the same people who who call who are happy that black widow's not coming out because the sjw's are ruining comics somehow and the guy goes on and says, well, actually, if you know anything about the government, blah, 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 blah. And he decided to give me a third grade level lecture on how state governments work. And I'm like, thanks, bro. I already knew all that. He's like, whoa, they can't do that. And it's and it's uh, uh, and he literally said this is much bigger than a virus with a 99 percent cure rate. OK, you know what? Tell that to all the people who have lost their loved ones because of this virus. Literally, when everyone says, oh, it's a 99% cure rate, tell that to people – well, tell that to the 1% who didn't make it. Tell that to but their families. Th- there's an answer for you because I've seen that with people. and I haven't argued too many people like this, but when it does come out or I see other people do it, the comeback is simple. They didn't die from COVID. The government lied. They, they just put COVID on the thing. They didn't die. They died. They got lung cancer probably. I had a lady, a Karen, who at Target, she refused to wear a mask, and then she, she didn't go to a rant on me. She went on a rant to one of the cashiers about it, and she said – we had COVID. We didn't die. We visited at a at a retirement home. My father-in-law, he got COVID from us. He didn't die. His roommate died from COVID, but he had lung cancer, stage one. But he had lung cancer, so it was lung cancer that killed him. And we didn't give him COVID. And it's like, did you just admit that you gave the, probably this old guy COVID who had lung cancer? And that's probably why he died? <laughs> yes. The, uh, the COVID deniers' arguments – when you look at them for literally any period of time, they are less than paper thin. They are not even 
Okay, I don't want to get. I don't want this to turn into a political podcast, and I don't want this to turn into a whole, you know, COVID podcast and everything. But all, all I'm saying is, just be cool. Wear a mask. Respect a, people's distances. Social distancing. Respect other people, and don't act like. I've seen some people who have, honest to God, like try to scare. I've seen people at my work try to scare little old ladies from not taking the vaccine during the flu shot a few months ago. There was people who, because we, I work in a Target. There's a pharmacy in it. There was a lady who told a, a little lady, because our break room is right next to the pharmacy, so we could hear everything. Who was like, "Don't even take the flu shot because they're going to trick you with the COVID shot instead, and then you're going to catch an even worse thing because they're putting everything in you." And it's like, "Oh my God, people, just take a damn shot." Here, and the irony is the people who are calling this pandemic fake, and that we should stop wearing masks and start, you know, having everything open again because we're going to be all fine. Guess what? If you would all just wore your mask social distance a year ago, we would be fine. Because guess what? Viruses die out. The reason why it ha- this one hasn't died out is because you're being assholes who are re- refusing to listen to people who know what they're talking about. Because you think that you're smarter than every goddamn doctor on the planet. Because <laughs> some random jackass politician or YouTuber or whatever told you, nah, bro, every doctor in the world's lying to you. So you're going with that instead of what science has told you. You fucking dumbass. I'm done with my rant. (laughs) So to conclude here, do the right thing, Disney. Put Put Black Widow on Disney Plus. Do the right thing. Now on to another topic that everyone's talking about, which ironically is about a movie that's probably not going to come out this year. But we're going to talk about it anyways. The third Spider-Man MCU movie, Spider-Man 3, we're calling it because it, what we don't have the official title yet. Um, Tom Holland, he is uh, he's trying to pretend like he doesn't know anything about this movie, even though he told us that he knows everything about this movie. He literally said verbatim i know everything about this movie he said that back in like freaking october and then this week he comes out and says yeah i have no idea what this movie's about i'm like tom how stupid do you think we are we're not (laughs) yes okay you've been with the mcu five years you've learned how to keep a secret good fairly yeah yeah yeah, barely (laughs) tom holland can barely keep a secret okay so here's the deal all right let me break let me break it down for you. Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Alfred Molina, Kirsten Dunst, Jamie Foxx, Willem Dafoe. Who am I forgetting? It's every Spider-Man actor, I guarantee you. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the day we hear that Toby uh, Topher Grace is in this movie. We hear that what's his name, who also played Harry Osborn in Amazing Spider-Man Two, is in this movie. That we find Dana. out that that yeah. every version of Flash Thompson is in this movie, and then one of them is probably going to get the Venom symbiote from the Venom movies. Because I guarantee you, Tom Hardy is going to uh, there's either an Enkidu cameo or some part in the movie. Tom Hardy's Ven- they're gonna Venom's gonna pop for the movie, and it's gonna be like a big moment because it's gonna be oh my god we're finally seeing Venom in his big all glory non 70s show Topher Grace form, but a big you know Eddie Brock standing next to Tobey Maguire, and I guarantee you that's gonna be a shot, 
And he's going to make a comment about, oh, no, it's a black suit. Get it off of me or something dumb like that. So here's the thing. Tobey Maguire has, according according to the media personalities that I follow and the media outlets that I follow, Tobey Maguire signed as of this past Thursday, February 11th. Andrew Garfield signed two months ago. Everyone else signed two months ago. Tobey Maguire has been holding out this whole time for reasons we don't entirely understand. Yeah, money. Uh, yeah, when I say we don't entirely understand, uh, also, it's... I think I think it was also a case kind of similar to Michael Keaton until recently, where the reason why he never came back to do a Batman movie, because like, I don't want to do one without Tim Burton. I think a lot of this, too, with Toby might have been a case of, like, I don't want to do this without Sam. And then Feige said... Raimi's over literally at the next you know, Marvel lot over there working on Doctor Strange. You can go see him any day you want. Okay, I'll sign up. <laughs> like, I want to be sorry that was a little part of it was he didn't want to do another Spider-Man movie without Sam Raimi. And then they were like, well, Sam's going to kind of work with us on this because he's directing Doctor Strange 2. This is kind of a tie-in with Doctor Strange 2. So there's obviously some back and forth between you know the Spider-Man team and the Doctor Strange team right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of it, him being like, okay, good. So like we got some creative from Sam in this, so they'll be, you know, faithful to my universe and my trilogy. It won't just be, oh, hey, look, it's Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, wave to the camera. It There is going to be some love to it, and we're going to finally cl- close my story, and we're going to close Andrew's story. And if, depending on how the Sony deal with Marvel works out, we may be tying up the Tom Holland story, too, so. And, you know, the only, I mean, an actress in question right now is Emma Stone. We're not sure because of her pregnancy, but my response to that is Scarlett Johansson was pregnant for literally the entire production of Avengers 2, and you wouldn't know it when you watch the movie, so you can't tell me that they can't do the same thing. I, 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 do, want to say, I, I do want to say it's kind of ironic that this, that this would be the second Tobey Maguire movie with Gwen Stacy in it, and both times Gwen got pregnant. <laughs> oh yes, because Bryce Dallas Howard... Were, Bryce Dallas Howard, fun fact, while shooting Spider-Man 3, was six months pregnant, and she didn't know. That's why she was was cut out of the finale. That's why they they, they quickly threw – that's why that ending kind of falls apart with MJ being again the damsel is because she was – all those scenes, it didn't make sense why it was Mary Jane and why he didn't go after Gwen after he thought his girlfriend cheated on him with Peter. Why wouldn't he go after Gwen? It's because it was originally was Gwen, then they found out she was pregnant, and so they had to quickly rewrite it to being – MJ, because they had a lot of action scenes planned for that ending. They were like, oops, that wasn't supposed to happen. Okay, plans changing. And then I do find it funny, too, that for fast forward two years later, she's filming Terminator 4 or 5, whatever Terminator it was. She gets pregnant while filming that Terminator. And then during one of the Jurassic World movies, she was also pregnant. So I guess doing action movies just really, you know, gets her going, I guess. But yes, so Spider-Man 3, live-action Spider-Verse movie. Everyone knows about it. Everyone knows it's happening. If it doesn't happen, I think people – you know those movie theaters that we were just talking about that, that that they're afraid of going out of business? I think people will probably burn those down if that if this doesn't actually turn out to be a Spider-Verse movie. Uh, but, I don't think it's going to be that far because you do see Spider-Man fans who are like, enough, can't we just get a movie of Tom Holland where he's just Spider-Man? It's not Tony Stark's 
apprentice. It's not Doctor Strange's apprentice, which it might be because this ties into Doctor Strange Multiverse Madness. Can we just get a, a Tom Holland movie where he's just Spider-Man, ignoring the fact that, you know, Far From Home kind of was that? But that he was also, like, working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and he was getting all these hand-me-down Stark tech. So I think people want just like a Spider-Man movie again. And it's almost like Marvel's only answer to that is, like, okay, we heard you. So let's throw in every Spider-Man because that made us a t- ton of money, you know, the last 17 times we've done in the last two years. And, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If you actually watch the MCU Spider-Man movies, the the whole Iron Man Jr. thing and all these like other connections and everything, it's not actually as big of a deal as people make it out to be online when you actually watch the movies. But no one wants to talk about that. They just want to complain for the sake of complaining. But, yeah, so... I'm looking forward to Tobey Maguire and Tom and Andrew Garfield coming back because anyone who watched Spider-Man's Tangled Web Show, which I should point out is no longer available online because I I took it down because of YouTube COPA laws, which I might put it back up now, um, or at least the later episodes, the le- the less embarrassing ones where I'm not 16. To be fair um, with COPA, all you have to do is put a disclaimer or whatever that says this is not meant for kids and then you're fine it's it's the it's the channels that didn't put that stuff up there and had kids posting on that stuff that got in trouble yeah but so um if you watch spider-man's tangled web show you know i'm the biggest fan on the face of the planet of andrew garfield spider-man so when i hear that oh yeah to the point that we used to have more than you know just me as co-host with john we had like a whole team of like couple like three or four other people who've done the show with us and all of us simultaneously had a running joke at john which was at any if he could like superior spider-man himself into andrew garfield's body and live a, live a day in his life during filming of amazing spider-man 2 john would totally take up that offer so john could see- quote that movie to the point that everybody else on our old show used to be like, quick, what's our favorite Marvel movie? So we can start remembering every quote from those movies just so we can try to, you know, even this out with every time John has put a reference to ASM2 or the original one or some other random Andrew Garfield movie. I'm a fan, okay? <laughs> so, yeah. So as, as the self-pronounced biggest fan of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man on the planet... I'm very excited to see him back in this next movie. Now, granted, none of it's been officially announced, but everyone knows it's happening. So, yeah, I'm just I'm I I am a happy person that Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is going to come back and hopefully they're going to at least try to tie up the story that they that Mark Webb was going to do before they decided to make it into a huge franchise, which ultimately bombed before it even started and then led to the Marvel Sony deal. And now we have MCU Spider-Man, which as much as I love Tom Holland as Spider-Man, and I think he's a great Peter Parker, he's a great Spider-Man, I think his movies are great, I still love Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. But yeah, I'm excited for it. I want to see it. I mean, there's not much there's not much we can say about it. We know, based on filming, that it's going to take place at Christmas, evidently. Cool? Question mark? Um, um, yeah, Zendaya is going to be working at a 
like a donut shop or something based on set photos. So cool question mark. We know Doctor Strange is in it and they've confirmed that Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina are in it. Those are the only two they've confirmed so far. You know, it's just going to get bigger. Uh, I mean, like, I mean, like William Defoe's rumor has it Defoe was on set. Willem Defoe was on set. Dane DeHaan, Dane DeHaan has come out and vehemently denied that he's in the movie, so he may not be in the movie. But because you know what would be a really cool thing is if because they're pulling stuff from the multiverse, they're pulling them from different times in the multiverse to explain how these people are still alive. If they're because remember Dane DeHaan, he he's clearly at the end of ASM two. The evil Harry, like he is full on. I guess you can say, you know, Kindred Harry by the end of you know ASM two years, almost ten years before Kindred was even a thing. And so, it would be a really cool moment is if you get Defoe's Goblin from Spider Man one, and then he's in a scene with, you know, ASM two Green Goblin, and then he looks at him, he goes, Harry. Finally, you are the son of mine, <laughs> or something like that. Like that would be. Can you imagine that? Oh, oh, that would be a good fan moment. You know what I mean? Like that. You, we finally see a version of Norman who get who gives Harry, you know, his props, and it's all about. Oh, you killed Spider Man's girlfriend. I killed Spider Man's girlfriend, and then all of a sudden, all the Green Goblins are like, "How many of us have destroyed Spider Man's girlfriend, and how many of them ended up being blonde?" Almost like all of them raised their hand. <laughs> And then and then six one six six one six comic Norman is in it and he goes I banged her. <laughs> but wait wait I, my, I'm I'm pure to my sins I should regret that but totally I banged her. <laughs> I'm purified of all my sins except that one I kept that one out. I'm purified of all my sins except the premarital sex of when I totally took Spider Man's girlfriend's virginity. Give me a high five everybody. Come on come on. And it's, it's every Green Goblin from every cartoon, every movie, every universe, every comic, Ultimate Green Goblin, video game Green Goblins, every version of Green Goblin. They're just all like making a, a like a chain of a of a, a chain. Of just high fiving six one six one for banging Spider Man's girlfriend before he killed her. All right, um, yeah. So that's the Spider Man three rumors, and that's pretty much um. That's what we have to say about movies and co- or movies and media for this first episode. Um, but this this show, just talking Marvel, is not just a movie show. It's not just an MCU show. It's also a comic show. It can also be a cartoon show. We could talk about any Marvel that we feel like talking about. And James and I, we are both avid re- avid readers of Marvel comics. That being said, we are not reading everything, but we read the stuff that we like. So, um, one book that we both like that we did a podcast about was is Amazing Spider-Man. And back in the old days of our old podcast, when it was the dark ages of Spider-Man with Dan Slott, we hated our lives, and we basically spent every episode saying, man, we wish this guy was off the title. Spider-Man is being written horribly. I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't just us. Like, there are other Spider-Man podcasts and, and Marvel podcasts and websites and stuff. Some of them we agreed with, some of them we weren't, but it was almost unanimous across the board that anybody who did not get a paycheck for Marvel in some way all 
dislike the Dan Slot run. <laughs> we can all agree on that. I've seen other people who defend Dan Slot, who are friends of Dan Slot, who like him as a writer, on other like YouTube and podcasts, who will go like, his later run of his Spider-Man books were bad. So now we have Nick Spencer, and the book has gotten exponentially better. The book, Nick Spencer, he is kind of known as the savior of Spider-Man, pretty much, because he's made Spider-Man readable again. I mean, it's like, you've actually made, like, you actually don't make me hate my life every time a new issue of Amazing Spider-Man comes out. I actually look forward to new issues of Amazing Spider-Man now. I didn't do that four years ago. I didn't do that five years ago when the dance slot one was happening. I kind of dreaded it, honestly. I was like, oh, great. I have to read another issue of this. And then I have to go on the air and talk about it. And I'm like, but now I'm actually really enjoying Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man run. And it, so I said, if it wasn't for the fact that, that there is references to Dan Slott's run in here, like obviously, because like, see, if you want to see where this character came from, like Mr. Negative, read, you know, whatever from Brandy Day or whatever. If it wasn't for that, you could almost like go to just read GMS, get brand new day, especially with the Roll Streets and stuff with like Last Remains. You can go right up to there, st- stop, skip everything from Dan's run, and just pick up from Spencer's because. And I'm not saying that obviously the continuity would line up perfectly because obviously you got to have all that Carly Cooper stuff and Harry's history with her for like you know Kendra stuff and this and that for Dan Slott's run the whole you know Superior Spider-Man little things like that. But so you you still need to get kind of that context a little bit. But the feel it feels like where GMS had the book. It feels like where Defalco used to have the book. It feels like Michelini. It feels like JMD Mateus. It fits Dan's work. I would argue didn't fit. Like, Dan felt like it was fanfic love letters to those books where Spencer gets the Spider-Man world. His books and his stories would fit in well with the Michelini runs, the the Falco runs, the Conway runs, the classics, you know what I mean? Nick Spencer started his run by literally separating Peter Parker and Spider-Man and saying the two of them need each other because with great power – comes great responsibility and he basically just he he broke spider-man he literally broke the character down rebuilt him and said this is what spider-man is i'm showing you that i understand the character let's go have some fun and that to me was just an amazing story and it's been an amazing run and the big story that the big story or stories that have been going on recently, Last Remains, Sins Rising, you know, all the Sin Eater stuff, all the Kindred stuff. Kindred is revealed to be Harry Osborn, and there are theories going around because here's the thing. Two issues before Kindred's first appearance, Harry Osborn was fine. That was that was the final issue of the, of the Dan Slot run, Amazing Spider-Man 800. So, Harry Osborn was fine. And then the next issue, Kindred. And so they build up over 50 issues. Oh, yeah, who is Kindred? Who is Kindred? Oh, it's Harry Osborn. And then you're like, okay, well, how does that work when he was fine two issues prior to that? Oh, the theory is because that Harry wasn't wasn't the real Harry and that maybe 
this is them going finally because here's the thing before the nick spencer run if you told me oh yeah peter and mary jane are going to be back together in the 616 universe i would have said i i wouldn't have believed you and when it happened in the actual first issue of amazing spider-man i didn't believe it you did, yeah, because I remember I showed I, I I screenshotted the camera. Oh my god, they're back together! And then your your thought was, and until next issue, like next issue's gonna recon it somehow that he was dreaming it or something like that. I remember you, you that was your exact words. Yeah, I didn't believe it because you know what? I had ten years prior to that of people of the of of you know them saying Peter and Mary Jane can't be together. They can't be together. They can't be together. Issue one of Nick Spencer's run. They're you together. Can't, you can't deny it. Dan Slott took every chance he could whenever he put MJ in the book to almost carry her, assassinate her. Because not not just I'll I'll say not just him. Basically, every writer that was on the book, except for Brent. Bendis. Bendis outright said the reason why he put her in Iron Man was he was like, well, if nobody else is going to do anything actually good with Mary Jane, I actually like the character because of how I treated her in Ultimate. So I want to continue writing Mary Jane. So if you guys are not even going to are only going to use her to be the bitchy ex girlfriend and gee whiz, don't you hate her? Nah, I'm going to put her over in my Iron Man book. And if you notice, she's the only redhead Tony didn't bang. Why? Because he respected the character and Bendis deep down with all the Bendisisms still understood Mary Jane wouldn't get along, wouldn't be with. You know what I mean? He got the character. He was like Mary Jane wouldn't bang Tony, especially after everything that happened in Civil War. Nah, fuck that. But she's working with him, and I'm using her in a way that makes Mary Jane, you know, actually act like Mary Jane. But and then that's the problem. And like I said, that's the problem. Brand new day. Like if you go back to like brand new day, like right before Dan's slots ramp began, solo run, I should say. Remember, Mary Jane was only in the book to constantly remind you how perfect and great Carly Cooper is, and why totally she should be Peter Parker's new girlfriend. Like, oh, Mary Jane is saying it's okay. Mary Jane is saying it's okay to move on. Mary Jane took the deal with Mephisto. It's got, let, let it go. Carly, here we go. The girlfriend who is the allegory for, you know, the guy who caused one more day's daughter, Kosada's, you know, kid. Her, her, name is, her name is Carly. This is our love letter to Joe Kosada. Let, let, let Spider-Man be with Carly for a few years. And the fans were like, no, we still want Mary Jane. You guys fucked us over one more day. Then it became Dan Slott, who I don't think liked Mary Jane. He was like, finally, I can call her out for being a bitch. <laughs> like, that's what it felt like. So Peter and Mary Jane are back together. Craven's back in the ground. What, what other things from the brand new day run have they fixed? Because there's a list of just things that Nick Spencer is just like, yep, the I'm going to fix issue, that. The first issue is pretty much everybody calling Peter out for the whole hit, which we called it out. Crawl Space called it out. Spiderfan.org, I think, called it out. You name off any other Marvel podcasts or what website or whatever. They all called it out. Peter Parker would not look at the doctrine that Otto gave him and go, that's great responsibility. <sighs> and then that first issue is him being like, yeah, what the hell was I thinking? I must have been on drugs or written by Dan Slott or something like that. What the hell was I thinking? Yeah, no, I, I'm ashamed of what I did. And now I have to go back and make up for it with going back into college. And again, you're getting that you're getting that classic bill. It's not just, oh, Peter's working at ESU as a scientist. Doesn't that remind you when he went to the classes? No, this is realistic. A guy in his 30s going back to school to finally earn the doc, to earn the doctor that he never got in his 20s. That's how love letter to the past, while at the same time, 
respecting the character and respecting your audience and making the hero realistic. What a what a shocker. <laughs> and so in the in the most recent arc, we've had Sin Eater cleansing villains of their sins and taking and taking their powers as his own. And the big thing was he was going to cleanse Norman Osborn and Spider-Man wasn't going to let it happen until he creeped on teenage Spider-Gwen and he and Peter was like, OK, no, screw you and throws him out of it. And, and get me, quote me if I'm wrong, because remember, Dan said that the two books that he would always ignore, he was like, I'm ignoring Mindworm and I'm ignoring Judas Traveler and I'm ignoring Sin's past. Like, remember, Dan, like, went out his way to, like, Norman would say in his books, Harry's my only son and stuff like that. Like, they, he was completely ignoring Sin's past. And then that kind of scene is, again, Spencer, like, no, as much as Sin's past is arguably the second worst non-clone Spider-Man story behind One More Day... We have to address this, and they used Gwen, and they used it in the perfect way where, you know, like you said, he was creeping on Gwen, and you know where he's going on. He's going with the bridge. He's going with Sin's path. He's going, and once Peter sees that, he's like, this guy is irredeemable. No, fuck him. <laughs> For once, it was great, because, like, you would, all, like, even during Dark Reign, you get moments where Peter's like, he killed my girlfriend, and all this stuff. I'm going to get Norman, but I'm the fourth member of this Avenger team, so I can only give him one, you know, one slap. You know, <laughs> this was finally like, like, you know what? Fuck Norman. And he kicked him off. Like, and I love that. Yeah, I love that moment, too. I mean, and apparently, apparently, like, apparently that was Spider-Man's big sin moment of like, oh, well, he made a deal with the devil because, you know, he 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 let Norman get shot by Sin Eater or whatever. And that was the whole thing or whatever. But no, I was he, like, no, he, he finally realized that that's the closest he's ever get to see Norman Osborn get shot in the face without it being a murder. <laughs> yeah, it's like, honestly, like, like when I was when I, when I was reading 850, when I was reading Amazing Spider-Man number 850 and Spider-Man throws him out of the of the submarine vehicle or whatever they're in um in that scene after his ass. Yeah, it's like I'm like I I support Peter and like and they're like Peter, what the hell did you just do? And he's like, I made a different choice because throughout that whole book he was saying like, oh, I'm making the choice. I'm not gonna let you. I'm not gonna let you kill Norman Osborn. I'm not gonna let you do it. And then Norman do, and then Norman just acts like himself for 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 a few panels. And you know what? And Peter's and Peter Parker finally says, you know what? Fuck this guy. And throws him out and says, you know what? And I I think that's the best thing about it. Because if you go back to, like, reviews and, like, what I've been saying and other people say, the first couple parts of that arc, you're just like, oh, my God, Peter is getting almost not the unlikable territory because it's not Dan Slott. <laughs> but he's getting to the point of, like, why is he so wants to defend Norman with this? Leave him. He's your arch enemy. You know, you don't got to save him. You don't got to you don't got to kill him, but you don't got to save him either. Like, leave Norman. He's the one guy who nobody will judge you. And even the other characters in the book are like, no, let the worst that can happen to Norman, let it happen because he deserves it. And Peter's like, no, great power character, I gotta save him. And then you as a fan, it's like, oh my god, he's being written as this moron because now he's just gonna continue the Green Goblin shit for another million years until the sun explodes. And instead, Spencer said, no, Peter finally got to that breaking point with this guy that he's just finally came to the realization. What the fans know. Which is, it's never going to end. It's going to be this endless cycle because how comics are of Green Goblin versus Spider-Man and who's going to die next because of him. 
No, I'm changing the narrative. Fuck you, Norman. This is Sparta. Get off my get off my ship. And heck, even in the even in the more recent issues, even in uh, Amazing 858, when Norman is supposedly the only person still cleansed of his sins after Sin Eater kills himself, and you know all the sins go back to, you know, um, you know the villains that originally had them and everything. Norman Osborn is the one person who's still cured. And what does Peter do? Peter beats the shit out of him. I, I like that because if you look at it, pure Norman is like, you got to remember, he st- even before he was the Green Goblin killing people, he was still a shady, crooked businessman where he was not, maybe not committing sins, but he was still breaking the laws and doing really shady shit in his company. So you're seeing almost like a, a redone version of the, that old 60s era, the amnesia, like think Spider-Man 3 of, oh, I'm a nice guy. Look at me trying to be a nice guy. I might do some, you know, shady things, but I'm not evil. I'm not a bad guy. I I don't remember I was the Green Goblin. Now this is a new modern twist on it of, you know, he's clearly sins. He's like, oh, I'm a nice guy. But it's clearly Norman does. Norman's been a dick his whole life. He doesn't know what a nice guy is. So even if you notice, like the most recent issue when when he after he said, you know, Peter says, oh no, I'm done with you and Harry. When he gets that, when when Peter goes to make sure that you know the norm, uh, make sure Normie and you know what's the second Stanley and Liz are okay. He's like, oh, said so you're done with our family, but you you have to go see your old high school sweetheart. Oh, Peter Parker, he still is a dick. You know what I mean? Like Peter's just like. Even when you're not evil, you're still an asshole. You're still a douchebag. And I liked it. How Norman's still Norman. He's not Mr. Nice Guy now. He still had. He still tricked the Kingpin into thinking that he was pure evil Green Goblin still in order to get Harry. So he still is a dick. And you can see how even a sins clean Norman is going to eventually just continue down the wrong path with Kindred and eventually he is going to snap again and become pumpkin bomb. Let's take girlfriends on bridges, make clones of Peter Parker to fuck with his life. Evil Norman Osborn. But for right now, for the next couple of years, you're going to have morally gray asshole Nor- Dick Norman. You know, who's like, no, no, I'm a nice guy. I'm apologizing. I'm cleansing my sins, but I'll use my family to get what I want. Like, I think that's what you're going to get out of Norman for the, you know, the next little while. And I like that kind of different take on the character. Without it just being Green Goblin pumpkin bombs, you know what I mean? And Harry, I mean, we, we could talk about Harry with Kindred. The theory, a lot of people, because they're referencing Amazing 545. They're referencing One More Day. They are referencing all of this stuff. My theory is that this is the real Harry who died in Spectacular Spider-Man number 200. The, the Harry that we've seen that was supposedly alive and had two other marriages in Europe during the time was not the real Harry. He was a replacement brought back by Brand New Day. This is the real Harry come home to roost. And this is going to lead up to finally a retcon of probably the worst Spider-Man story of all time. Now, see, I, I think I think we got we're, we got the same destination, but we got a different journey. It is the same Harry, because remember, the Green Goblin shit is in their penthouse when when Normie opens up that door. Meaning it, that that Harry that we saw in Brandon Day in the slot run still had Green Goblin shit ready to go, so he was planning something. My theory is Harry did change. He was resurrected because of One More Day, 
everybody thinks it was Europe and or whatever the hell that they were saying, but it was one more day because think about it. He's the one who introduced Peter to Carly. Mephisto knew that Harry's the one with his drama and his baggage is going to keep. He's one of Mary Jane's exes. He's going to bring in, you know, because of his celebrity girls like Carly and shit like that. He's going to bring in new girlfriends for Peter from Europe. And then the marriage is going to be gone. And then you can kind of say that, you know, since uh, Superior, because it wasn't Peter's soul in the body, it was Otto's, that, oh, it didn't break it. But Harry becoming Kindred was caused by Peter and MJ at the ending of that first issue kissing. When they kissed and got back together, that was Mephisto's break glass in case of emergency, where his failsafe, which is, okay, now Harry is reminded of his sins. He remembers that he's been in hell manipulating himself to torture Peter from hell. He thought he was a nice guy because I made him forget all the stuff about Sp- Peter being Spider-Man. But the second Peter and MJ's lips kissed and they be- cemented that they were a couple again, Harry remembered everything. He remembered Spec 200. He remembers Peter Spider-Man. He remembers all that stuff. And he remembered being in hell with, with Mysterio and all the shenanigans as Kindred manipulating things from hell. And now that he's alive, he's manipulating things in, you know, the mortal realm. It's an interesting theory. We have to see where it goes. We don't know how much longer it's going to take for the one more day retcon. But I, I, don't, I don't think it's coming next issue. But the whole fact that it's the Valentine's Day issue and the covers like that. I love Lucy, Hart, Peter and Mary Jane holding each other with the Kendrick centipedes, you know, surrounding it. I think what we're going to get is Peter's going to ask MJ, will you marry me? She's going to say yes. And then, for some reason, Harry as Kendra knows about it, and he goes, "Good, now I can really, you know, make him suffer or something like that." Or, you know what I mean, though? Yeah. That's what it's gonna be. And the one really cool thing I just love, and I remember you can remember from our old show, what's the biggest drop ball from Spider-Man Three? I always joked about is it during that infamous, you know, so good pie scene. When Peter Peter just randomly turns back and knows that Harry's being a dick with the goblin stuff. Remember, he walks out of it and he goes, hey, he turns around really dramatically and looks at Harry and he winks and smiles at him. I always said what should have happened was Peter walks out all sad. His phone vibrates. He pulls it out. He gets a text from Harry and all it says is gotcha. And that would causes him to turn around and look in and Harry's winking and smiling with the so good. the pie. You know what I mean? That's an. Because one of the great things about Harry when he was the Goblin that Diamantius did was every time Harry one-up Peter or was, oh, you thought I was a good guy, your friend again. Well, guess what? Gotcha. That was always the thing was, gotcha. You always thought you thought you saved Harry Osborn. You thought you broke the curse of the of Norman, of the ghost of Norman Osborn, the curse of my family. And the, guess what, Peter? Gotcha. And so when he the we already knew as an audience that it was Harry. But when Peter finally finds out and he takes that mask off and it's Harry and he's the and he, when he says that, I got a smile on my face because I'm like, we're home again. You know what I mean? It's like even more Spencer fixing stuff. Harry says, gotcha. And now, you know, we're back to where we need to be. Harry's on again, off again, goblin, evil guy, Craven six feet under. Peter and MJ are in a committed relationship, not married, but a committed relationship. It almost feels like in the Spider-Man world that everything that got shooken up, good or bad, in brand new day, we're finally back in that comfort zone of where the Spider-Man universe should be. All right. Um, I think that's a good drop-off point, I'd say, for 
um, this episode of the podcast. Um, we talked about a lot of stuff. Um, we're going on we're going on two hours here almost. Um, definitely longer than I planned it. Um, well, we did have a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, when you when you want us to cram like six seven episodes of Wandavision <laughs> into the review, that's going to take up some of the time. All right, but um, we hope you enjoyed this first episode. Um, we plan on doing more. Um, hopefully we're going to, I mean, we are going to be talking more about comics. Um, I know this first episode was very MCU heavy, but don't worry. There will be some comic talk. Um, there could be some cartoon talk in the future. Um, we just, we don't really know where this show is going to go. All we know is that we want it. We at least want it to be once a week. We're just sitting down. And we're just talking Marvel. And so, um, yeah. So, James, any final words for the viewers or the listeners before we sign off? Uh, just, you know, yeah, like it's awesome to be doing another show like this again, you know. And I guess cheap plugs where you can find me on PowerPacker90 on pretty much every social media platform. You type in PowerPacker90, 99% chance it's me. Uh, I used to be a part of some old podcasts. I'm not really a part of those no more. Or web shows. Like, you know, I just... Got off of a kind of rocky relationship with a former Power Ranger, you know, webcast I used to be a part of. I'm not even going to say their name, but, you know, it's nice to be nice doing one of these things again without there being some kind of background drama for the time being. And also, if you want more of my Marvel opinions starting this week, I am a new reviewer on the Spider-Man Crawl Space. I'm going to be reviewing Black Cat and I'm going to be reviewing the Miles Morales Spider-Man book. So if you want more in-depth on me and the reviews from me, just go to their site and check me out because next week with the Miles issue, I'll give my first review. And then we'll see if they'll like me or not even after that. <laughs> Alright. Um, where can you find me online? I am Marvel Fan Rave on Twitter and that's pretty much the only place where you can find me online. Um, I'm not as active as James is, but um, hopefully I can you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Um, but thank you all for watching this first episode, or for your, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, thank you for listening. Um, because I am releasing the show on multiple platforms. I'm releasing it as video on YouTube and as audio on podcast streaming or podcast streaming services. Um, but yeah. So um, thank you all for tuning in and uh. Yep. Yeah. Hopefully we'll we hope to see you all next week.